So welcome along to, to Hills. It's great to have you here. We've had a mass exodus over there off to the kids' ministry, uh, which is a beautiful thing and a beautiful sign of what God is doing. Um, we're going to get stuck straight into it today. Let's get the word out. First Corinthians. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 3 is where we're going to go, and we're going to read from verse 10 through 15. Verse 10, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. And it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even as though only as one escaping through the flames. God, we do thank you for your word, and we do pray that you just continue to speak to us through this series around discipleship. You continue to stir our faith, um, challenge us. And uh, yeah, we just invite you to just come and do what you want to do today, Lord, in Jesus' name. All God's children said, amen. Amen. So welcome along. Um, For those of you who uh, haven't been around for a bit or you're visiting or you haven't been following online, we are in the midst of a series which we're calling The Cycle of a Disciple. And we're proposing a model of discipleship that's perhaps different from some of the models that we've seen in churches before, where at one point in time, I think churches had a reputation of saying, believe so that you can belong, so that you should behave. And what we're saying is that's actually not what the Bible teaches, that's not what uh, the gospel is about, that's not Christianity, but the message of the gospel uh, and God's intention for those who would follow him in discipleship is actually first you would understand that you belong, that you belong to Christ, uh, that the cross when he said it is finished, it was for past, present and future, that his blood avails for us, that you are chosen, that you are loved, that you're accepted by God, and it's in a revelation of your belonging that you come to this place of belief. Because the lights go and you think, look what the Lord has done, and we humble ourselves, we surrender ourselves, we submit to him, and we believe, and we believe in the Lord as our saviour, and we walk in that salvation, that salvific moment. And then what happens as we start to walk in belief and belonging, we start to become who God is calling us to be. And we talked about that last week around sanctification and about who we are, that it flows out of our positional sanctification, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is who we are. That is your identity for those who are in Christ. And out of that flows belonging, becoming. It's not about behaving. It's about being transformed as God works in us to act and to will to his purpose. Amen? And so this is what we've been talking about. And then we talk about today, we're coming to this last topic which is building and the idea that we belong, we believe, we become, but we have a purpose, friends, and that purpose is to build the kingdom of God. And this idea that it's actually uh, in becoming who God has created us to be, we cannot help but build. It's a part of it, it will become a part of our DNA, we will build the kingdom of God and it's in building, funnily enough, that we start to belong again. 
Like the amount of people who would come to church and I'd have conversations with folk and they're like, oh, I just, I'm not connecting, I'm not connecting. The first question I ask is, are you serving? Because I guarantee you, as soon as you jump on board a team, you are in community, you will experience belonging. And it's good. And you'll start to feel that sense of belonging, which will then start to foster more belief, which will then start to help you become, and then you'll start to build, and it just goes around and around and around. But at any given time, if we jump out of one of those stages, then discipleship will start to suffer. So this is the model. This is what we've been talking about. Today, we get to building. Someone say building. Building. We're looking at building the kingdom of God. And friends, I just want you to know, there is so much to talk about with building. Like This is a massive Massive topic. And there is no way that we can do this justice in one sermon, so we're actually going to divide it into two. The reality is we could do ten. But I'm going to come up here today, and my mantra really is to to unpack really the the what, the why, and the who. And then next week, Robin and Leona are going to come, and they're going to bring us more of that that topic around uh, the the how do we build, um, how do we build around in the church, all those sorts of things, Okay. Um, it's a huge topic, it's a big topic. Why is it a big topic? Because there's something that will blow your mind and it blows my mind and it it simultaneously just brings me so much joy uh, and so much humility that God would choose this, but also it terrifies me a little bit that God, God would choose to build his kingdom through his church. This This is how God has ordained things, that he is choosing to establish his kingdom, to build his kingdom through the people of God. That should floor us. And it should leave you asking really one question of why? Why would God choose us? Anyone else asking that? Why would God choose to use humans? Fallen, prone to wandering wretches that we are, and yet it is his his joy and pleasure to build through his people. Why? And that's what we're going to look at today. So we're going to get stuck into a bit of theology around it. But in order to understand it, we first have to understand a flat pack. Anyone ever, young married maybe, probably more likely to be you, anyone ever just tried to fill their house with some flat pack furniture? Anyone done the Ikea run? Anyone? It takes me back to when Joe and I first got married. We'd go to Ikea, you fill up the car with all the Ikea flat packs as you're excited about filling your new house in, you know, filling it up with all your furniture and you sit down and some of us men are more stubborn than others and some of us men are less gifted than others. And some of you, the idea of a flat pack is highly offensive to your creative natural gift, but to others of us, we need a flat pack. And some of us, a flat pack causes us a degree of consternation and trouble. Why? Because the instructions are useless. How many times have you sat there with a flat pack and you pull out your your instructions and all it is is a picture with some tiny little arrows and they're supposed to be screws, you can't even see it. You're like, how am I supposed to interpret this? I come from a scientific background. I like methods. Step one, do this. Put this here. And then I look at this. I'm like, what the heck am I supposed to do with this? Anyone else? Come on. Maybe we've just got lots of gifted builders. You're all just thinking you're an idiot. 
I've had some trouble with that because that's not my gifting. But anyway, so we had this staying in our house, which would happen. I would sit there and I would just be getting angrier and angrier and angrier that I couldn't get this flat pack to work. And in the end, Joe, at some point, would mention the words, should I ring dad? (laughs) 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 To which initially I would get cranky and I would say, I don't need your dad. And then after half an hour, there'd be another whisper are you sure you don't ring dad at this point in time? There's 15 boxes open, there's screws all over the floor. I'm like, it doesn't even have what it's supposed to have. It hasn't given me the things that I need. (laughs) Knowing full well that I had, and so, do you want to ring dad? And eventually I'd say, look, I'm not an idiot. I don't need you to ring your dad. I'll ring him myself. (laughs) (laughs) And in he comes, and within half an hour, we have five pieces of furniture established, Why? Because we needed someone who knew what they were doing. We needed someone who could actually decipher the instructions and understood what they were building. Yeah? You can't build something if you don't know what it is that you're building. And I think the the same is very much true for the kingdom of God. We have this mandate, this mantra from God, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and build the kingdom of God. Go and establish the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Like God is, he is called us and appointed us to do it, and yet we don't know what it is that we're doing. How can we do it? We need to know what we are building. And so let's do that. Today, all I'm going to give you today is just the what, the why, and the who. What, why, and who. And so here we go, the what. What is the kingdom of God? What is God calling us to build? And the answer is in a series that we did recently around the songs of ascent, and the answer is shalom. Someone say shalom. Which we interpret in our scripture as peace. We talk about the peace of God, the peace that passes all understanding, the prince of peace. We talk about peace on earth. What that word is in the Hebrew is shalom. But shalom doesn't just mean peace. It means so much more than that. Shalom is actually probably the most complex and most incredible word that uh, in, the Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, I think. It just it unpacks this whole idea of the restoration and the making right of all things unto God. It's the restoration and the making right of all things unto God. And so we talk about this idea of peace, but when we think of peace, we just think of, of like calm. I'm not anxious about something. That's not shalom. Shalom is about things being made right and being brought under the lordship of Jesus whereby we find security, we find hope, we find joy even in the midst of difficulties. Shalom, and that's this idea of things being made right. So this is what the desire is in terms of kingdom. When we look at God's kingdom coming to earth as it is on heaven, what God is calling us to is he's saying that the task before you is to restore things unto God. Building the kingdom is about bringing shalom. It's about bringing restoration unto God. So why then does he call us? Because we can't do that. We talked about this last week. It's God who can do the work. Why does he call us? And here's the answer. Let's get your Bibles. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. 
This has been our foundational scripture, Ephesians 2 and Genesis 1. Put a, put a marker in Genesis 1, we're going to go there too. But Ephesians 2, a great passage of scripture, a great book of scripture. And we've read from verse 1 through 10 through this series. Today I'm going to focus purely on verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to discuss the good works which God prepared in advance for us to discuss. Oh, sorry, I was reading from the wrong version. I was reading from the, you know, the, uh, the new Western consumer version that we find in churches all the time where we think it's all about just talking about God instead of... So, sorry, I'll read from the NIV, one that you might be more familiar with. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do, someone say do, good works which God prepared in advance for us to do, someone say do. We're called to do. We're created to do. We're created to belong, to believe, to become, and to build, to do the good work which God prepared in advance for us to do. That can be confronting for us because in the church, we love to talk about things. We love to have our Bible studies where we talk about stuff, but Sometimes when it comes to actually getting our hands dirty and actually feeding the poor and clothing the naked and visiting the person in prison all right, and ministering the gospel to people, we don't love that. But that's our mandate and that's our mantra. Where does it come from? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. Where does it come? I'm going to give you some teaching. Is that all right? Are you okay to be taught today? It comes from Genesis chapter 1. Let's go all the way back there. Verse 26 Genesis 1 verse 26, God has made people. Now, when God created us, when creation happened, God says something about his handiwork. He says that it's good, right? He says it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. All right? Verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Keep going. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That's another sermon for our day right now. The fact that he said it three times, which means it's fixed and established. And true. Our identity is not in sexuality, but in who God has made us. Keep preaching, Dave. God, chapter 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, that they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. What is that saying? He is saying that in at the point of creation, God ordained it, he made it, and then what he did is he gave humanity dominion over it. That he actually said, I am giving this to you, I've made it for you, now I'm entrusting it to you to be wise stewards of the world in which you live. And that includes everything. It includes the creation. It includes the things that we're eating, what we're putting into our atmosphere, the way we're treating people. He's saying you as human beings are created to steward over this, to to have dominion over this. 
And so God, right at verse, like chapter 1, verse 26, sets a precedent in place that he is going to, he is going to call humanity to be, the, to be the stewards and the workers of his purpose. Does that make sense? So he's put humanity in a particular position of authority over creation. What do we do with that? Go back to the chapter 2, chapter 3, we find that as human beings, the enemy comes along, speaks a lie about our identity and says that you're not made in the image of God and if you just follow me, then you can become like God and we believe the lie and we hand dominion back or over to the devil. And we see brokenness and we hear now that creation is groaning Awaiting for that day of redemption. We see human beings doing worse things to each other than any animal ever would do to another animal. We see despicable things that we do because we have handed it over to the enemy. When we were supposed to be people who ruled in the shalom of God. Because when God created and he said it was good, what he's declaring is this is a place of shalom. And so we hand it over to the enemy and, and God, in his wisdom, had already purposed that he would come as Christ Jesus, his son Christ Jesus would come and he would bear the, the, the weight of the curse and the consequence of the curse. And then the Bible tells us that he took back the keys. The Bible tells us that he took back the authority. He declares in Matthew 28, Matthew 16, that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And then what does he do? Then what does he do? Come on, Bible students, what does he do? Matthew 16, he says to Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Matthew 28, he declares, he says, now go, make disciples. He's saying, I've got the authority, and I am now giving it back to you by the power of my spirit, to outwork my purpose in the world. What is the purpose? To bring shalom. Are you with me? Do you see this? So the Genesis 1 creation ideal that God established, Christ just reestablishes it. He's like, I've got the authority now. I'm giving that authority to my church. So go and build the kingdom. Go and bring shalom. Go and establish shalom in the world. This is God's intention and purpose for his church, not just to come in and have a great time together. This is why I am not interested in leading a social club where we get to a particular number and we're really happy about the size of the number and we have a great time, but we don't do anything. Our mandate, our mantra as a church is to go and build the kingdom of God. Not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. Knowing that he has called us, he has chosen us, he has appointed us, and he has filled us with his spirit for the simple purpose of bringing shalom to the world because guess what? Jesus loves the person in prison who murdered his wife 
just as much as he loves you and me. Jesus loves the broken. Jesus loves the homeless. Jesus loves the naked. Jesus loves the down and out. But do you know what? Jesus also loves the professional. Jesus also loves the person who thinks they've got their whole life together and they've got their perfect house and three kids, but they don't know the shalom of God. And our job as a church is to bring the shalom of God to everybody. To be a church that, that is shouting the shalom of God by word and deed. Amen? Why? Because God intended it that way. It's not that we've got something going on in our head that we're like, oh, we've got to go and do it. No, it's actually God's plan and purpose for his church. It was God's plan and purpose from the dawn of time when he first created for humanity. He made humanity to be shalom bearers. He made humanity to be a people who love each other and care for each other and reflect the glory of God so that more and more glory would go to God. Let me show you something else just as a quick sidetrack. Why would God choose humanity? One, because he, he created it that way. Two, because when God makes, when God takes something that is completely inglorious and he brings, he shines glory in it and brings glory out of it, the object that he has used cannot possibly gain any honour out of that. Let me put it another way. If, if I take just something just worthless and, and, and broken and do amazing things through that, it can't possibly come back to me, it's, it, it's got to be the, the one who, who created it and established it and, and put it into play who gets the glory. You see, God says, I've put my treasure in jars of clay. Why? So that he would get the glory. So that people know this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. When we do something significant in the kingdom... There's no way we can get glory because we're wretches. The power is that, oh my goodness, look what God's done in that person's life. Look at the transformation. That can't possibly be them. It has to be God. That's the demonstration of the spirit and of power is a transformed life. It's the becoming and the becoming flows from the believing and belonging. And God at work in people and people see you, they're like, wow, you're so different to what you used to be. And it's not like we can just drum it up in and of ourselves. I'm going to change. I'm going to change. No, it's the work of God. It's the work of the Spirit of God. And when people see that, it brings God glory, not us. So God, in his wisdom, says, awesome, I'm going to use jars of clay to reveal my glory and my kingdom so that his name would be glorified, not our own. So we're building, we're seeing shalom come and we're doing it because that's how he ordained it and it will bring him glory. And I've got to close in a minute because we need to move on, but let's look at the who. So the kingdom is about shalom. The reason is because created us to do it. Who builds the kingdom? Us, everyone, but not in everything. 
Everyone's called to build, but not everyone is called to do everything. Confused? Let's look at it. Go to, go to Nehemiah. I love the book of Nehemiah. It's so good. Um, let's go back. Before we go there, let's go to my handyman analogy, right? So there are things, like, I'm not a naturally gifted handyman, okay? I cannot do what Ian Foote can do. I cannot. Robin, when he takes a break, he goes and builds a houseboat, right? <laughs> The most handy thing I've done is I've tried to convert a shed into a, a gym, and if you walk in there, you'll realise it's pretty ordinary. There's a lot of paint that's missing and plasterboard that doesn't look very good. But I didn't even help with that, because it's not my gifting. I'm the sort of guy who's going to, well, you know, I need a, I can't even think of the word. I'll get a drill when I need a hammer, you know, that sort of stuff. So depending on your gifting, but I can still do things, can't I? Like, I don't have a handyman gift. It's not who I am, and I'm quite content with that now. But that doesn't mean that I just don't do anything handy. I can still change a light bulb, right? Thank you. I can still mow the lawn. Like, there's jobs that it doesn't matter of your gifting or your calling. You can still just do it, can't you? There's stuff that everyone can do, but there's also stuff that only a few people can do. I remember we had, we had a school excursion. We took a bunch of kids. We were in the bus, and there was another staff member following in a car, and a car broke down, right? Car comes over to the side of the road. It's me. So I got, I got out of the car, out of the bus. We lifted up the hood, and I sat. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah it looks like the, uh, the, the heat pump. One of my other mates gets out who does know what he's talking about. He just started laughing and laughing. He's like, Shep, what are you doing? You have no idea. He's like, don't listen to him. Shepherd, get out of here. Let me deal with it. Because there's certain things that we're not equipped, we're not trained, and we're not gifted in, and so we shouldn't be doing them because we'd do more harm than good. But there's other things that it doesn't matter what we're gifted at, we can all do. Anyone can pick up a broom and sweep a floor. Anyone can, can move something. Anyone can serve. Anyone can say hello. Anyone can make dinner for someone in need. So there's different, there's stuff we can all do and there's stuff that you are called, gifted and equipped to do. And I've, I've, I see this sway both ways in the church. I remember being at church with someone and and we needed to clean up after something and he refused to move something when I asked him to and I said, why? And he goes, well, I'm not called for that. (laughs) I was like, whatever. But then you have have other people who are trying to do things and they have no training and they've got no gifting and there's not no skills in it and they're not called to it and it causes the whole thing to fall over. So we've got to find the balance. Now, let me, look, let me show you this in Scripture so that you know I'm speaking truth. Go to Nehemiah. I'm going to race through Nehemiah, the first couple of chapters. If I can find it. Here we go. I want to show you something. See, Nehemiah gets, he gets um, called by God to go and repair the walls of Jerusalem. And he gets sent by the king to go and repair the walls of Jerusalem. And the walls speak of the the power of a city, of the protection of a city, of the identity of a city. So this is a true historical event, but it's also a prophetic implication for what is to come in Christ. And what we see as we look at this is Nehemiah comes back and they start building the wall. And I'm going to race through this, but watch this. He says, the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah, 
skip down, that it's next to him, uh, someone built the wall outside their own house. Next to them, repairs were made by Gibeon and Mizpah. And then it goes down, adjoining this, these two people repaired outside their house. And then it goes on and on and on. And as you read through it, what you see over and over again is there's particular people who God has called and anointed to build the gates. And there's everyone else who's called to build the wall outside their own house. He's like, you know what? There's a wall, there's a hammer, build it. He goes, but these gates, these particular gates, they actually need specific people who are gifted and equipped to build them. All right? Make it plain, shepherd. Let me put it this way. I'm going to read this because I wrote this down. I thought it was awesome. Everyone can, be prepared, everyone can be prepared to give an account for the hope they have in Jesus. Everyone can tell someone about Jesus, but not everyone is called to stand in front of a group of people and teach the Bible right? Everyone can make a joyful noise unto the Lord, but not everyone can stand up here and sing in a particular tune and key with a particular anointing that actually draws others to a place where they will make that joyful noise regardless of tune or key or timing. And if you have someone who doesn't sing in tune and doesn't know timing and they're trying to lead other people, it will actually stop people from entering into that space where they make their joyful noise, It's about gifting. Anyone can shake hands and say hello and smile at a stranger, but not everyone can make that person feel like a best friend within five seconds. That's actually a gifting. Everyone can pray for the children of our church, but not everyone can plan and implement a lesson that dynamically engages them and trains them in the way they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. Everyone can lift a chair, sweep a floor, pick up rubbish, but not everyone can run a sound desk. Not everyone can manage a bunch of musicians and get them to play beautifully together. Everyone can speak or send a word of encouragement to their neighbor, but not everyone can walk down the street and evangelize to the masses. It's a gifting. Everyone can cook a meal for someone in times of trouble, but not everyone can organize a system of care that ensures people of all ages, stages, and wages are looked after in a time of need. Everyone can visit the sick, clothe the naked, care for the poor, visit the prison, but not everyone can use a gift of finance that God has blessed them with to change someone else's circumstance. Everyone can tell somebody about Jesus, but not everyone can use a gift of creativity to paint, design, draw, to proclaim the love of Jesus in a way that just lights up a room. Everyone can shake hands with a teenager and welcome them, but not everyone can run a youth ministry and have a conversation with, a, with someone who is of teenage years going through stuff and have that person come back the next week just because they want to hang out with them. Everyone can pick up a hammer, but not everyone can build the fish gate. Does that make sense? Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 12. He talks about the body. In fact, let's read it. And then I'm going to close. I'm going to invite the band up. First Corinthians 12, from verse 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given to one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. 
And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. And on and on he goes. What do you think he's trying to say? He's talking to an early church that had all these issues around platform ministry, around super spiritual Christians. And Paul steps into that space and he just says, what you are talking about is rubbish. He's like, you are a body of Christ. And if your gift is administration that is just as significant in terms of building the kingdom as the person whose job is to preach the gospel. If your job is to invest in youth, if that's your calling and your gifting and your passion, then that is just as significant as someone whose gifting is simply to come and serve and sweep the floors. He's like, every part matters. And he's saying, you've been gifted and equipped for a particular call. So know, friends, where you can just serve. Know where you're called to just build the gate, out the wall outside your house. And start to pray and seek and say, God, what is the gifting? What is the area that you put on me? What is the fish gate? What is the thing that you're calling me uniquely formed to build? Amen? Amen. So band, come on up. And as we close, part of the, our response to this, what we've been working on as a church is actually, uh, we're going to put a, a system, a program in place that's going to help us discover this. And we're calling this Growth Track. And all we're going to do is invite people of this church to come and sign up. Uh, and we'll do this for as long as we exist as a church. And you sign up and we're going to walk through Belong, believe, become, and build. And you get to hear about the vision and mission of this church and why we feel that we are called to be here and exist. It's basically everything that I'm preaching right now. But then as a part of that, we're going to do some some stuff where you get to learn your spiritual shape, which we did last year. That idea of what are my gifts? What's my call? What is God doing in my life? And as we do that, hopefully you'll then you'll see God grow a passion in you. And you'll get a chance to say, yep, I'm going to serve. I want to sign up to build the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. I want to sign up to allow God to use this jar of clay for whatever purpose he has for me. And so next week, Robin and Leona are going to finish this series. And then after that, we'll have an opportunity for people just to start thinking about, do I want to, do I want to sign up? I'll be straight after church, 45 minutes, four straight weeks a chance to sign up and say, yep, I want to learn about what God is doing and I want to meet some leaders and I want to sign up to serve so that God can use my gifts to build the kingdom of God because that's what we're called to do. Flowing out of belonging. Let's pray. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for 
each and every one of these people who love you, are, are loved by you and are known by you. And God, I pray that you would give us as a church a heart to build. Father, I pray that we would not be too super spiritual that we can't build the wall out the front of our own house. But God, I pray that we would not be, think too lowly of ourselves that we don't believe that we have a gift or a call. God, your word says that we are your handiwork. That means each and every person here is uniquely fashioned by you. And you say that your work is good. You say that you knit us together in our mother's womb. You say that before a word was on our lips, you knew it completely. You love us. You've called us. We belong to you. Each and every person in this room is uniquely loved, created, fashioned, and adored by God for the purpose of being loved, being known, and building the kingdom. So God, I pray that you would stir that fire in all of us, every single one of us. That we'd rest in you. But God, that we would not be lazy with the command that you've given us. In that 1 Corinthians passage, that we would not be those people who on that final day have built our house with straw and hay. God, let us be a people who have built with precious metals. Let us be a people who when we stand before you on that final day, we have treasure to lay at your feet. knowing all along that you're the one who does the work. You're just looking for jars of clay. You're just looking for vessels to be available. And so we say, here we are, Lord. Send us. Here we are. Send us, Lord Jesus, that we would see your shalom, your kingdom, your righteousness established in the Adelaide Hills, in this city of Adelaide and beyond. We love you, Lord. We give you honour and glory. And all God's children said, Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.